Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 92 for Sunday, February 20th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney, and you'll never guess who's joining me. Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, wait, no, you're not asking me. You're asking the audience who can't hear us. Uh, uh, Captain Sabriel Mastin, hi. Uh, that is the correct answer. You win. <laughs> Hello, welcome. The die is cast, Ken. Oh my gosh. So it, so it is. And it's what, Snake Eyes? Um, no, you got a natural 20. <laughs> but I bring it up because oh. we are seen the point of no return today yes yes this is discovery season four episode nine rubicon and for those who don't know the rubicon was a river that was crossed during a war and once you cross it you can't go back you are committed to the war caesar yes <laughs> i first learned about the rubicon from a issue of the comic book why the last man which was recently turned into a canceled tv series <laughs> Uh, and at one point, the main character says to his sister, you've crossed the Rubicon. And they're at like a life and death situation. And they're at odds. And like one has a gunpoint at the other. And the sister's like, do you even know what that means? <laughs> and, the, and the brother's like, that, that's besides the point. And she's like, mm, you don't, do you? I first learned about the Rubicon in DS9. It was one of their shuttles or um, runabouts. Oh, oh, you're right. The USS Rubicon. Uh, from the DS9 episode Family Business and A Session and One Little Ship. Neat. Uh, yeah. And the Reckoning was going, I just pulled it up too so I can sound like I remember those episode names. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Memory Alpha. That's all Transporter Lock is, is us reading wiki pages. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. They're on to us. <laughs> okay. So we're here to talk about, as I said, Season 4, Episode 9, Rubicon. So this is kind of what I thought the last episode would be about. You'll recall I mentioned that, oh, I thought that Book and Tarkin would, uh, or Tarka would just go hide in an asteroid and Discovery would have to go find them. That's exactly what happened in this episode. Uh -huh. Here, I, I've been kind of doing like, do you have a one sentence review? Who, me? Yeah. Of this episode? Yeah. And then we'll talk about uh, it. A review or a summary? A sum no, a review. Like a when you walked away, when you when credits started rolling, how did you feel? Like a one sentence. Uh, this, well, if I were if I referred to the direction and the decisions made in the episode, my review would be disappointed but not surprised. Mm -hmm. If I was to refer to the quality of the episode as a viewer, I would say satisfied. All right, that was three or four sentences, but all right, and, you got there. Granted, well, <laughs> technically satisfied is not an, a sentence because there's no verb. Much satisfied. There you go. It's not a verb either, but there you go. I, I, and, I, and also, you, you couldn't hear my semicolons. That actually was. Oh, yeah, that does change things. Uh, emphatic period. Mine was, huh, neat. <laughs> also not a sentence, but okay. Okay, if you want to get semantics, uh, what was your feeling? There we go. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, this is what you thought was going to happen last week. The way Discovery goes, this is in past seasons. This would have been like the next to last episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'm glad we got this out of the way. Out of the way. Yep. We had to have this tension. So now we can go on to the next thing of meeting 10C, who or whatever they are. I, I need to actually back up a bit. And there's something like 
I think I saw this in a previous season of Discovery, but it was so rare that I was still surprised when I saw it in this episode. Does the Federation now have cloaking devices? Uh, I this is I wrote I wrote a list of things that surprised me in this episode, and that one was I forgot they installed a cloaking device. <laughs> they did. They used it with uh in episode Sukal Hall last season. That was it. Oh oh oh! So when they were uh, orbiting the dilithium plant and didn't want to get caught by Osiris's ship. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I I feel like I need to go rewatch that because I forgot. What happened? I was like. Yeah, I, I mean, looked it up because I was like, "That sounds familiar." Brian Tyler forgot. <laughs> well, so little of the last two seasons of Discovery have been about conflict with external alien races, like the Klingons or the Cardassians mm-hmm. or the Romulans. Yeah, and and that is normally where you see cloaking devices in use. So I, when you're talking about like internal tension, like <laughs> when Burnham goes to talk to President Trillick. That's not going to be the use of a cloaking device. Right. Like, surprise, President, didn't see me coming. <laughs> I don't so know. I get this, they, right? do, they do seem to do that with the way Commander Nan showed up. I mean, she beamed in, but she obviously heard Vance. So maybe she just had a cloaking device. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I had her appearance spoiled for me. By oh, yeah? Twitter. I didn't. Oh, but you waited a few days to watch, didn't you? I did, I did. As I mentioned on Twitter last week, I took a page from your book and I made watching Discovery part of my morning routine and it was delightful and I should do that from now on. And then you didn't. I Well, I had some scheduling conflicts <laughs> and unfortunately that broadened the window for spoilers. Oh, uh, bummer. I mean, yeah. but you got to see how it happened. Yeah, and I... Sh- should we talk about Nan? Is that where we are? Well, sure, we're here. Let's talk about Nan. Cool. The person, not the food. <laughs> so a garlic naan, peshwari oh, naan. Yes. Peshwari is my favorite. Anyway, so I feel like a lot happened to her since we last saw her, and I'm not quite sure I understood all of it. Okay. Uh, is there anything that stood out you're confused, or you want me just to spill the whole or talk about it? Well, I kind of thought that her position on the seed chip was much longer term than it was. And it seems like she did a shift and then was relieved. Uh, if you go, I'm working backwards. I suspect it was supposed to be longer because, or they thought it would be longer because warp travel wasn't a thing, but all of a sudden warp travel was a thing again. You know, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so it was faster Then she got home. Then she's like, all right, I basically do a, a absolute candor myself, apparently. And I can't do that with the people at home back to Starfleet because they know I'm from the past. Um, she just basically didn't want to connect to people. She's like, I haven't been to this family. This family hasn't known me ever. It's been 900 years. Uh, this is a little awkward for me. I'm going back to work. But she also couldn't tell Discovery she was back in Starfleet? Uh, yeah, because she was doing secret missions on the borders of Federation space, apparently. Mm. But Michael could tell because she read the reports, she said. Also, I thought it odd that when she went back to her homeworld to find her family, she didn't like go to their place of residence. She tracked them down to a social outing in a park. That's creepy. Uh, no, she went. I think she meant she was there, and they have they came to. I mean, I don't think it was so much creepy as uh, she went someplace familiar, and the family was still doing it after all these hundreds of years. Uh, I suppose. I, I, I'm glad that she 
is coming to terms with some middle ground and that maybe she will reconnect with her family. I'm reminded of that awesome episode. Well, I thought it was awesome. An early episode of TNG where they first encountered the Romulans and they had those cryogenically frozen people from the 20th century. Mm-hmm. They found like their great, great grandchildren. And like, ah. well, actually that reminds me, Nan said that she couldn't tell her family she was from the past. Why is that? Uh, uh, probably something season three related that I've forgotten about, but also I think they were, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Cause like, I, I appreciate at the end of season two, that discovery was wiped from the historical records, but that's clearly not enforceable with discovery now being part of the fleet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and what are they going to do? Tell someone to go back in time and tell them, even though it's, no one does that anymore. Uh, there's probably something we've forgotten that's kind of irrelevant. Not going to lie. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a minor point. And as I've said before, when these minor issues come up in Star Trek, it doesn't detract from my enjoyment. And I'm not trying to be focused on the minutia. I see it as sort of like a little puzzle to solve. And if there is no solve, if there's no solution, that's fine. For example, maybe Nan's mission on the seed ship was meant to be long-term, and the reason it was made short-term isn't just because Discovery or uh, reinvented Warp Drive, but because they wanted her back on the show. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and they could come up with it whatever reason they want, and that's fine, because the ends justify the means. Exactly. Oh. Although, did you know, I mean, I had it spoiled for me, so did you know who was going to be beaming in? Like, nope. Vance said, it's a familiar face. I was who like, who the heck is this going to be? I was like, all I could think of was Tilly. I'm like that, right. but I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And then, or and then I was like, uh, um, what David David Cronenberg? Like, mm, nope, uh, Doctor Kovic. <laughs> uh, like that doesn't make any sense either. And then all of a sudden, Nan's here. Yeah, if I hadn't had it swelled for me, I would have thought of Tilly as well. And I can't imagine Tilly overriding Burnham. It would. I, I can, but it would. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, well, especially with the potential reason for non being there was that uh, Burnham and Book were too close. I mean, Burnham and Tilly were roommates, Um, and I don't think Tilly could excuse herself either. I mean, to be honest, non didn't do much here either. Non carried herself as if there was no historical connection with Burnham, and I really appreciated that. Uh, For me, like, that was one of my problems this episode, which turned into, okay, it worked out, but Nan did do her job. She, you think that she should have given the command to fire? Uh, I, think I think, but basically that's what we were told she was going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played the part of an interrupter, not an observer. Mm. Uh, you better do this. No, wait. Okay. You better do this. Mm, wait one minute. You better do this. Michael. Huh. I mean, she didn't do her job. But I didn't say I was thinking that. She just didn't do what we were sold that she was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it worked out. Um, the uh, book just had a, oh, she's right. She kept pointing out books, acts of aggression against discovery in the Federation here. And mm. she went with Michael's decision. It worked out until it didn't. Uh, but <laughs> uh, she, like I said, she just didn't do what she, we were told she was going to do. But remember, during some of those moments when she was interrupting, including the point where she gave the firing instructions to Reese, we didn't get to see that she and Burnham had already had a call with Admiral Vance. And so 
she had that in her back pocket as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can call back to unseen conversation is why she's waiting. Right. I'm reminded of the uh, TNG episode where they had the Romulan defector. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that he was actually a plant and he didn't even know it. And there were like two or three scenes where like Worf would say to Picard, you have an incoming call from the Klingon High Council. And Picard said, I'll take it in my ready room. And then we don't see the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of forget that it happens until the end when these Klingon shifts decloak. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, but so, that didn't play out but, here. You don't think so? If Oda and like, all of a sudden Vance shows up on the SS badassitude, um, <laughs> uh, that would have been... That would have been worth it, but he didn't. Well, I was really pleasantly surprised when Burnham said to Book, I bring to you an offer backed by Vance and Trillic, uh-huh. which Rillick. is that what? No tea. Rillick? Yeah. I keep thinking she's... Oh, you know what? I keep confusing her with the Vulcan president. To, to, to Anna. To Anna? To Rillick. Yeah. To Anna. Or just the fact that Vulcan is beginning with a T. <laughs> president Rillick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to get that right. So nonetheless, I was pleasantly surprised when she went to book and said, here's a plan that is backed by Vance and Rillick, which is that we will support your decision to attack the DMA with an isolytic weapon. If you let us try it our way first. Yeah. Like that's a, that's on one hand surprising because isolytic weapons were banned by the Kidmer Accords. But on the other hand, it's a great compromise because what alternative like that, that, plan was brought to the federation for voting they had they had legitimately considered it uh-huh I, I like that too i mean like okay cool all right we had a conversation that we didn't need to hear and but it came out that part you know it worked it made sense i liked it too oh mm. you and i had a conversation on the tweeter but should we talk about isolated weapons real quick sure um because you had mentioned like you had read something where someone's like uh, it, the isolated weapon was a reference to insurrection yeah, and I had forgotten that isolated weapons had been used before. I only saw Insurrection once, and it didn't leave an impression. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the isolated weapon, for anyone else who would like to refresh without going to Memory Alpha, uh, <laughs> is um, in the part of Insurrection near the end, when you know, around the time period of Riker took the joystick out of the floor and was flying around the Enterprise-E, um, wasn't that exact moment, but it was around that time period. Uh, the Sona are launching an isolated weapon, and they're like, I thought that was banned. And they don't, we don't know how they work very well. That's why they're banned, because um, it's going to destroy subspace, subspace around the area. Similar to the Omega weapon, but America Omega particle, but much smaller scale, extremely small scale. But, um, yeah, that was a mention to insurrection. I guess it's a technically a reference to insurrection. This whole isolytic thing, but uh, yeah, damage sub damages subspace. Getting mm. excited. I was starting to talk too fast. <laughs> I gotta wonder if the Kidmeric Kurds were even still in place nine hundred years later, because part of that was that the Federation would not pursue cloaking technology, which they are. So, are isolytic weapons still banned? Uh, there's, there's. It sounds like yes, mm-hmm. but there's also nine hundred years of cloaking technology discussions yeah maybe there were revisions and amendments or to the accords when there's no more romulus true <laughs> were the kidmeric with just romulus or also klingons they're there too but i think they're making the deal with the, Kling- or the romulans yeah. and we haven't seen klingons in this century yet have we no which i've been waiting for i hope they make them more tng like <laughs> <laughs> anyway so so yeah let's talk about that 
isolytic weapon. Were you surprised when the weapon got launched? All right. So yes and no. I was annoyed at how many chances Michael gave book in the in because I was like, okay, the show's not going to take any chances and kill him. I didn't want them to, but I'm like, come on. We just keep seeing this over and over again. Like, wait, wait, don't do it. Wait, don't do it. Um, and I was kind of annoyed at that. And then, uh, all right, cool. We're gonna get. We're gonna do the traditional Star Star Trek thing of, uh, we talked you down. Cool. And then, uh, Ruan smashes the button anyway and launches it. I was expecting that. What I what did surprise me was that uh, there was no uh, techno babble solution to stop it before it blew up. That surprised me. And it went off. Yeah, yeah I was not surprised by Ruan Tarka. Of course, he had a backup plan, just like he installed a defense mechanism on the ship without book knowing. But I'm nonetheless surprised, or disappointed rather, that Ruan Tarka launched a full spread of quantum torpedoes at the Discovery against book's advice book should have locked him out of such command functions at that point because he had <laughs> demonstrated a proclivity to violating orders uh yeah uh the only thing i can do is chuck that up to um either one not thinking clearly or two not enough time because you are absolutely right <laughs> On the other hand, though, if Tarka was capable of installing defense mechanisms without Book knowing, then he probably had his own way uh, around the true. function. Tarka has been shown to be a genius and even stole like Vance's credit or, um, you know, like, what was it, yeah, password? His, his and, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it may not be Book's fault. Even if he had done something, which I don't think he did, it might not have mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well. Tarka, this episode. Do you have, did your feelings change about him at all, or improve, or like do you like appreciate this character? Like is a strong word, but do you have any appreciation of this character you didn't have before? <sighs> like him less. Well, I I like that he backed up Book when Book tried to save the shuttle crew. Mm-hmm. However, Tarka also knows that if he hadn't done that, he would have lost Book as an ally. So I think he was still self-serving his own ends at that point. I also think that he's an idiot (laughs) because he said this plan was 10 years in the making. And I know that the DMA itself is only in the last year or so. I I recognize that this is a late addition to his plan. Still, a person of his genius never accounted for the possibility that the power source wasn't in the DMA. Mm -hmm. I mean, he seemed utterly surprised by that. Uh, yeah, I mean, not much ever catches Ruan Tarka off guard, and this one caught him off guard. After this episode, I actually liked him more. What? Why? Not as in I, I like this person. as I like this character. So, like, you brought it up. The first thing that really made me appreciate the character more is that when he added secu- um, the book thing where he said, like, oh, I added security. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he actually tried to help break the shuttle free and he genuinely seemed sorry about it um whether it was or not but to me he actually genuinely seemed sorry he's like okay there was none of this little snark he's like you know right he's sort of working on a solution immediately and um near the end of the episode uh when he was planning to launch the uh weapon anyway 
he was sitting here talking to book about game theory and expected utility. And he was talking slower and you could see the camera way the camera panned. He was watching the view screen to make sure Michael was away and safe before he pressed that button. Cause well, and you could say what, why he did that either because he was concerned about Michael, which I think it's probably if he was, it was on the lower scale, but more like if I kill Michael, I will lose book forever. But, um, Still, he did wait. He, he, I appreciated that. And he didn't seem like the raving, the, you know, the stereotypical Hollywood raving lunatic mad scientist this episode, like he has in past episodes. So I gained new appreciation. Doesn't mean I like the guy. I just like the character. <laughs> yes, he did seem more relatable this episode. I will give you that. But I still question his motivations. I I don't know that he actually did care about anybody on the Discovery. Uh, even you just said that he realized he would lose Book if he lost anybody on Discovery. So, uh, right. I, yeah. And to your final point of he didn't see that coming, like, yeah, I mean, he devoted 10 years of his life to some kind of research around power. He gets a solution. Like, he's, like, so sure of himself. I mean, this is probably where we're going to see him, like, I don't know, they crumble, but, like, finally listen. Because he was, he's just always been so sure of himself the entire season when we talk to him or see him. And all of a yeah. sudden, like, he was shown to be wrong from an outside force, not a person that he knows, that he thinks are inferior to him, uh, or anything like that. This outside force just showed him he was wrong about the, something about the universe, and now he can finally grow. He'll probably die by the end of the season. Huh. Um, actually, I would, I would love a happy surprise if he actually got what he wanted. Uh, not saying he deserves it. It's just not very Star Trek, and I would like to see that. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he has to sacrifice himself, and that will be his final redemption. Uh, yeah, I was talking to the good friend Shar. Uh, it's like I can see by the end of the season before we watch this episode of him, um, him and Book still working together, and he needs something Book to do something, and Tarka makes the mistake of saying like Quijan or her, his family doesn't matter and then Book says what and then shoots him um, or you know something like that it doesn't side with him anymore well let me run this idea by you I don't think it holds water but it's something that occurred to me when I watched the episode when he said that this was 10 years in the making do you think that Tarka had anything to do with the DMA itself oh no I don't think so he was just trying to find alternate ways. He's been talking about it, how he's trying to find a way to get to this. Sounds like another universe. And it doesn't just happen to be a convenient thing that showed up on his doorstep, almost literally. So one thing that surprised me was that after the isolated weapon went off and he couldn't find the power source, they didn't go back to the Federation. And maybe that's not surprising because they would just end up in the brig. But I got to wonder, what's their game plan now? Because... Burnham no longer needs to pursue Book and Tarka. They can focus solely on first contact. So I wonder what Book and Tarka's role in the rest of the season will be. Uh, they will connect somehow, but for next now it is, we got to talk about our feelings and what just happened. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. You're looking forward to a talkie episode all about uh, squishy feelings? I'm looking for, forward to those two talking about what happened here. Do you think there is the opportunity for them to reconcile? Uh, 
it's going to be rough, but I'm excited to see the journey to get there. Uh, if they ever do. I know this doesn't specifically answer your question, but like, I'm not a writer on the show. I think that it depends on what levels X or Y is going to go, right? And it makes you wonder if Star Trek will go that way. Like, um, and now, what is the next step? Uh, Tarka, suddenly, everything he's worked for in the last 10 years just blew up in his face. Or yeah. unblew up in his face. Um, <laughs> and so, but he did it anyway. I mean, maybe 10C, who or whatever they are, will want uh, some justice. Yeah, I, I got to wonder what they're goals are now what drives them because tarka wanted a power source he didn't get the power source so what's he gonna do go to the source go to c10 and say i want your power mm-hmm. and for book he wanted to stop the dma and now he knows that he can't yeah at least here so maybe he, right so that could mean he also goes into an emergency plan i mean oh some other way to do to do it on the other side of the galactic barrier uh, I'm not saying it's going to be easy or I have a solution how that happens. But so at this point, he either goes all crap and thinks about things for a bit or he uh, uh, gets even more solely focused and no one can slow him down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I, 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 I cannot predict where these characters go from here. Yeah, no, that one's a hard one because it cut well only because it cut so quickly at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have time to, in the universe, uh, soak it in. Um, and yeah. and what do you think of the fact that Burnham said we have now made first contact? Uh, yeah, they showed that someone can stop this thing, and so uh, they show Tennessee that someone can stop this thing. Not for long, though. Uh, Tennessee just put it back up clearly, but. I, I, okay, stop this thing as in we can, we, they have the technology to slow this down uh, for a minute. Um, that might make them all of a sudden have a blip on 10C's radar uh, for good or bad. Um, maybe 10C will be like, wow, impressive, nice work, let's talk. Uh, I don't <laughs> think so, because uh, uh, it's not very dramatic, but um, yeah. How about you? It's possible. Th- I mean, there, there are a couple possibilities running through my mind. One is that deploying a second DMA is trivial for a race of this caliber, of this advancement. And so the fact that we destroyed the DMA, we may see it as a view of aggression and they may just see it as a minor annoyance. They're like, eh, don't worry about it. We got a million of them. Uh-huh. The other thing is that this may all be automated. Yeah. Like they're made, the fact that it was deployed to the exact same spot with no other communication or indication that they recognize this as a sign of aggression suggests to me that it's just like, oh, a robot fell off the tracks. We put it back on the tracks and we just keep moving forward. No big deal. Uh, Yeah, I kept thinking something. AI keeps coming into my head. It's also been a theme of discovery. So I don't know if they're going to go to that again, but it keeps showing up in my head. Um, uh, but there's so many unknowns still. Um, heck, I saw an article this week saying like on Twitter spaces, they revealed that, oh, this is what the article said. This is not me spoiling anything. Um, on Twitter spaces, they said that 10 C is, uh, not going to be anyone we've ever seen before. And they click on the article. It doesn't say that at all. It just said 
the peop- the discovery people who were ran to spaces said they created some they were they had a lot of fun creating something uh people have not seen before they didn't say anything about who it is uh so it still could be anyone if it's someone in canon already i can't wait to see who it is or if it's something new i suspected somebody new it just seems like need a new antagonist villain villain person get away from the known and that's what we did to get to the future yeah, and I also haven't seen any clues. Like when last season we saw the Guardian of Forever, there were clues as to who that was a whole episode before the big reveal. Whereas with this, I haven't seen any indication. Like, it would be silly if it turned out to be Q and they were like, ah, we said it wasn't Q just to throw you off. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not going to make me a fan. Right. Same here. So I am still very excited to see who it is, um, which is something Discovery has been poor about in the past. <laughs> uh, just took it taking too long to get there, but I'm actually not, not feeling that yet this time still. Well, on the other hand, I'm thinking about TNG. There were so many times when they encountered far, far more advanced races. Mm-hmm. And it only lasted one episode. Like, they encountered the alien race, and the alien race like, oh, we're just here to exchange information with you because we're curious. And then at the end of the episode, Picard's like, the aliens, after exchanging information with us, returned us to our own space. It'll yeah. take our scientists decades to pour through all the information we got from them. And that's the end of it. I was like, <laughs> at least now we actually get a whole season out of it. <laughs> that's the end of our show? Oh, what, was it? what were they called? The Cytherians or something? That's a big... Um... Uh, Saruman type face that appeared on the bridge in early TNG and just killed one of the officers. And I'm going yeah. to estimate you to kill about a third of your crew. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking about. And also the episode where Barkley brought them to some far off galaxy using his brain. Right. Or yeah. Enterprise. They had that, they came across a random station that just started fixing them for you for a price. Right, and then they destroyed it, and it started repairing itself after they Right, left. there's so many possibilities if they went for in-universe, um, or existing canon already, that uh, it's just so difficult to speculate still. <laughs> now, just because we've never seen this alien race, that doesn't mean it might not tie into something we've seen before. Like, right. for example, oh, this could be the race that built the Borg. This could be the race that fixed Vidger. This could be the race that was spawned from the AI on the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the Kaliar. Remind me who they are. Uh, beta Cannon, uh, who uh, reclaimed oh, the Borg. Borg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which wouldn't surprise me because I think that was Kristen Byers' um, <laughs> uh, baby, or she at least wrote for it, I think. so. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Beta canon, the book canon for anyone who doesn't know. I feel like if that was the case here, we would have had some mention of the Borg in the last two seasons. Yeah. Unless they're, I mean, I don't, I think you are correct. Or, or some kind of mention of like, could it be Borg? You know, like they did earlier in the season. Like, we don't think it's X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Did they say Borg? And we've just forgotten because it's been a month or two. I don't think they did because I think you would have been very excited about that. Yeah, and that would have either opened up or ruled out a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Um, the machine at the center of the DMA. Mm. A little two dodecahedrons or something like that, roughly. I didn't count the sides, so. Right. Polygons uh, inside yeah. of each other. Um, 
wait, 3D polygon, is that the same thing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> they kind of reminded me of the Omega Particle. Oh, um, The device used, uh, it, yeah, the shape that they made come together. Um, that could be very much intentional with the Boronite that we talked about last week. Yep. Um, and I started rewatching Picard, or re- I restarted my rewatch again. Um, and that same side or polyhedral, there we go, um, was used in um, the splitting of to represent two androids being made. Um, oh, yeah, okay. and heck, remember at the end of Picard, there was this weird AI being. Yep, that never got more so. That was really weird because we were like, at that time, we we're like, all right, Discovery just did this and you're doing it too. <laughs> but I also have to wonder to what degree will they tie into anything that happened in the 900 years that Discovery jumped over? Yeah. Because like, if, if the Borg show up and everybody in the audience watching Discovery is like, oh my God, it's the Borg. And Burnham's like, wait, who? <laughs> Sounds Swedish. <laughs> exactly. Like even the uh, the cloaking devices, like you and I had just watched the TOF episode Balance of Terror, which was, as far as I know, the first time the Federation had encountered a cloaking device. And that was 10 years after Discovery uh, premiered. Yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that. Uh, Discover. Wow. So when Discovery arrives in the future and they outfit their ship with a cloaking device, Burnham should have been like, a what now? Uh, cloaking wasn't a mystery because they experienced an Enterprise too. Ships that, and, and people who could cloak. So uh, okay, they knew but, of their existence. But it, the first canonical appearance of cloaking, I think, was in Balance of Terror. And they did act like they had never seen it before. Yeah. Okay. But if I, I forget if it showed up in Enterprise. I'm sure it did because you said it did. Uh, I just don't remember how that is or how they then say, oh, it was new to Kirk. <laughs> I mean, uh, even in, when they brought the Borg to Enterprise, an episode I loved, uh, yeah. the name Borg was never brought up. But they did reference that um, – what's his name? Is that from Cochrane? Yes, thank you. Is that from Cochrane? Had mentioned some, you know, like cybernetic men and everyone thought it was his drunken um, yep. saying. So like – some language can still be lost even when there's tech. Um, and so whatever. Uh, it, it, it wasn't even, we saw the cloaking device in Enterprise even before the Romulan showed up. So it was a known quantity of space. It was just very high tech for them at the time. Even right. if Kirk and Spock were surprised of its existence. And now everybody has it. Yeah. Um, last week I was talking a lot about Expanse. Yes. Uh, it did not occur to me about two days later or so I had an epiphany I was like oh my god here I am talking about the expanse and I did not realize that the actor Sean wait no Sean Doyle Sean Doyle who plays Ruan Tarka was in the expanse for the first two seasons or three two seasons did not recognize him because he had a beard (laughs) and (laughs) And that little emblem on his forehead yes uh, a Ryzen emblem um mm-hmm. and yesterday or Friday, um I looked on my Twitter, I had a notification. Uh Sean Doyle saw those tweets and he liked them. <laughs> oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> I was like, oh man, he saw this. Okay. I just got a kick out of that. But yeah, I had to laugh at myself that I was talking about the expanse and did not recognize the actor who was prominently in the expanse. 
<laughs> was in the episodes I'm talking about. Did not recognize him because he had a beard. <laughs> well, how, also, how long ago did you see those episodes? Uh, a year, maybe. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, there's no excuse, Sabriel. Come on. No, I just felt so silly. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of minor characters had some moments in this episode. I gotta say, I was disappointed in Reese, who seems to oh side. God. I hated these scenes because they felt so. They felt so awkward. Uh, we have not shown the camera just lingering on random uh, conversations of the bridge crew in this manner, and like. Saru walks by, and all of a sudden we 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 stay and hold on to Reese talking to Nilsson, like, yeah, I think we should get him. Uh, like, that was so awkward. And then they're on the shuttle again, Reese and Bryce, which I figured out why. I always have trouble figuring out the names of those two. Uh, <laughs> the same. They sound so close. Um, uh, and they did it again there. I'm like, this is so awkward. It felt so forced. Well, I was disappointed not only that a Starfleet officer would side with Book, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't be surprised given his backstory that he gave on the prison planet. But nonetheless, it's not his place to be disagreeing, especially while on a mission to do exactly the opposite of what he's espousing. Yeah, the bridge. Okay, one thing. You're just talking to Nelson, having a little conversation through interrupts you. But on the shuttle? Oh, it felt weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't need that. I mean, also, given how politi- politically divided our own society is in this time period mm-hmm. i don't need to see that on the bridge as well however i did notice okay on one hand reese did say that he would comply with non's order especially after burnham told him to so that's cool but while he was looking at his vertical hollow display <laughs> uh-huh. i noticed that the text on it was written so that we the viewers could read it left to right which is the opposite for him so i can totally dance around that. I'm like, okay, it's holographic. It displays so that whoever's looking at it can read it. That's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. But then Ruan Tarka, when he was searching for the power source for the DMA and it said power source not found, it was written backwards so that he could see it. And the readers had to read it backwards. Oh, see, it was a different operating system. It must be <laughs> like one of the Federation, the other is not. That's a good answer actually. <laughs> But I was like, come on, Star Trek, be consistent. Uh, I got to get that too. Uh, because all, I mean, but the Spore Drive, the beta pilot uh, test prototype, that's the word, that he stole, that's Star Fleet technology, and it integrated with books, ship just fine. So there must be some compatibility. So why would it vary on RTL or LTR text? <laughs> it was it was an SQL injection to get it to work. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate Burnham's point that they couldn't destroy Book's ship, not just because Book and Tarka were on there, not just because there was an isolated weapon, but because there was a spore prototype. And I had kind of forgotten about that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and also, oh, oh, and that reminds me, the scene, the action scene where, again, which I was expecting last week, where they were spore driving around each other. Okay. Yeah, hey. I'm going to bring that up too. That's why. <laughs> really cool episode or scene. I really liked it. Secondly, though, you can't, as far as I know, predict where somebody is going to jump. So the fact that Book's ship jumped and Discovery started their jump before Book even finished appearing somewhere else, and they happened to appear in the right spot to block them, I found that uh, 
hard to believe or requiring a reaction time that even Stamus is incapable of. Uh, all right. I'm going to get a word in edgewise here now. Uh- <laughs> Oh, come on. You, I go on rants. This is nothing new. Because uh, I wanted to say I loved that scene so much of you playing um, Jump and Mouse Chase. I yeah. thought that was so well done. I thought it was so cool. And if we want to get there, something, something, my Celia network can tell where other people are appearing. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Well, however it worked, I thought it was awesome. I loved it so much. No, I liked it too. There was actually one particular shot where as soon as Discovery leapt in, they immediately started firing right at book ship. And mm-hmm. I was like, that is impressive that you can show up that quickly and know the trajectory at which you need to fire your projectile. So <laughs> A, awesome action scene. B, I couldn't help but pause and ask, how did you do that? Oh, oh I got an answer. Programmable, programmable matter fixes everything. The polarity of the mycelial network and boom. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I love that scene so much. Um, um, uh, gosh, what am I going to go to? We'll go to another thing first. But speaking of character moments, uh, Saru and Tana. Oh my God, sir, you're being an idiot. Uh, that was I love that so much, and uh, the the whole I ship them. I'm totally in on it. Like her, like, hmm, since you can't meditate, maybe you should go for a walk. And oh, there's a free hand right here. Um, I thought that was sweet. I was surprised that Saru almost seemed surprised by it when I thought that there had been mutual overtones toward each other for oh, several episodes. It wasn't surprised, it was uh, as in, I can't believe this came out of nowhere, or surprised, and like, oh, she made the first move, uh, and he's <laughs> being a blushing idiot. Uh, and I'm glad that somebody had the courage to, to tell him that. I keep saying to honest, Tarina. <laughs> See, we both get these things wrong. I got it right, just not right. It's completely different. <laughs> of course. My bad. Yes, Captain. Um, but I loved it. Yes, so did I. I like where this is going. I'm surprised it's taking this long. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is going to be cool once we once it actually comes to fruition. Also, we did see a little bit of... Dr. Culber, and in that scene, I, I appreciated that he went on the away mission with the goal of talking down Book. He didn't get the chance, mm-hmm. but I thought that was a wise choice on Burnham's part when she was assembling the away team. Yes, I like that too. Uh, I don't think anyone, any of us saw that it was going to be as dangerous as it was. I mean, probably we probably suspect something was going to go wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't. I didn't see the whole uh, programmable matter thing. <laughs> happening uh yeah, I mean, how often did we ever see troy go on an away mission not that often i recall uh when she needed to say something like i sense this person who's yelling at you is mad at you um <laughs> that's true sometimes she went down when no hostility was expected but if there was like if people are going on an away team with phasers because they expected to need them troy probably wasn't going to be there no not unless like, she needed to be possessed by something <laughs> Or she was just listening to really loud music in her room. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, not of the loud music, but that away mission. So, okay, people can teleport from anywhere to anywhere. I get that. Maybe they don't even have a transporter room anymore. I don't know. But why was the shuttle crew 
beamed directly to the bridge. Uh, yeah, I don't have an answer for you either. And all of a sudden, like, launching themselves at the floor, too. I mean, I will accept as an answer to my question, dramatic effect. Uh Uh-huh. That's fine. But I'm thinking about in-universe, when you want to send them, like, right to sickbay, or if you get a better signal, because remember, they had trouble locking on, maybe they would have a better signal from the transporter room. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, You know... It could be one of those things where if you want to go for in-universe, it was the whole, like, uh, quick, I need some kind of place that I know is safe right now. Uh, No one's in the bridge over there. There. But I can't help but think about how lonely O'Brien must be now. (laughs) Nobody ever needs to go to him anymore. I mentioned it before, but I miss the transporter room. And I miss having that moment of our person of the week appearing and leaving at the beginning and end of this episode. I love those scenes. Yeah, it's a nice little moment where people get to introduce themselves and... In the case of Tashiara's sister, Data totally blowing her off. Yeah, I miss those. I mean, I got a slight tangent. Data blowing her off is one of the cruelest things <laughs> I've ever seen in any episode of Star Trek. And I loved it. So good. So, so okay. good. Um, Anything about this episode? Yeah, one more. Um, I loved the moment when... It was on the bridge in uh, the DMA cloud, and everyone uh, it was telling you, Michael, you gotta do a thing, you gotta do a thing, and she's and you're paralyzed by indecision, and the camera pans slowly across the bridge of everyone looking at her and watching her, waiting for their orders. And her just indecision or worry or fear about what's the right decision after she was told that you have to kill Book. Uh, She's waiting, hoping someone has something to say. There's another way out. Thankfully, uh, Stamets comes in and says, I've got another way out. But that moment, I love that shot so much. I loved it. It was just, it just felt like gut-wrenching. If... Stamets hadn't piped in when he did. I think Burnham would have given the order. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just so good. I love that so much. Can I get chill just thinking about it here? Yeah, the the pan that really caught me was Detmer for some reason because she, in my opinion, had no expectations on her face. She was just like, she wasn't hoping Burnham would say one thing or the other. She was just waiting to see what Burnham would say. Mm-hmm. And whatever Burnham said, Detmer was going to do it. So good. Yeah. Last thoughts? No, I, uh, it's two weeks in a row. I haven't got a chance to watch Ready Room yet, so i got to catch up see if there's any insights there. Um, can't wait to see what's going to happen to Book if he's yep. uh, outside of Ruan, even outside of Tarka. How is he going to get through this? Because he sent that message to Michael at the beginning of the episode, like, I love you. But he knew that there was no middle ground. At least he thought there was none. Everyone thought there was no middle ground. Um, they found some, even if it only lasted for a few minutes. Um, I'm curious well, what this does to their relationship. Everybody but Tarka found middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to specifically say <laughs> if that came across. No, yeah. um, so I'm curious. I can't wait to see just the book part of uh, what comes next for him. In other Star Trek news, there's going to be some overlap because there are uh, four more episodes of Discovery this season, 
And in the meantime, next week, March 3rd, which is a Thursday, which is when Discovery usually airs, we're also going to have the first episode of Picard Season 2. Can you believe it's been two years since Picard aired? Right? And uh, these shows are going to be appearing on the same day, right? Uh, I honestly the- haven't looked, so I'll, I'll t- take your word for it. Yeah, so that, that's surprising. It's been a long time since we've had overlapping Star Trek, not since DS9 went off the air. It's been a long time getting from there to here. <laughs> oh my god, I <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about web development, and I asked her, uh, do you ever buy the premium version of a free WordPress theme? And she said, like, I, I cut her off mid-sentence. She said, it's been a long time. And I said, but my time is finally here. And I just launched into the whole song. And she's like, what is happening? I would do the same thing, even if I did know. <laughs> like, I did, like, I didn't mean to set her up. I was having a legitimate conversation about web development. And then when she said those lines, I'm like, I, I, I had to. I just had to. So, uh, controversial uh, opinion, I still like that theme song. Me too. And if you're looking at this episode, I'm sorry to interrupt your web development talk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Picard, season two, March 3rd. Strange New World, season one, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. You and I are going to be reviewing both. Is that correct? Yeah. F- yes. Yes, we will be. Uh, oh, man. My mother texted me yesterday. Did you watch? Have you watched Picard? I'm like, yep, I watched it when it aired. Uh, I don't know how she's watching it, whatever. What made her start watching it? But they started watching it. And I'm like, careful about episode five, the start of City Rag. The first five minutes is don't watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the each yeah. of I thing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so a friend of mine, we went to grade school and high school together. We're still friends. We were the Trekkies in school together 30 years ago. And she just got Paramount Plus uh, for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, where are you going to start? And she said, Picard. I'm like, you know what? That's great. Even though Discovery aired first. If you grew up with TNG, you can go right into Picard. There's no need to watch Discovery. There's no overlap. I just recommended that she watch season two, episode six of Short Treks, Children of Mars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's the mm-hmm. only thing I said that she should watch first. You don't have to, but... Uh, and she was like, wait, I should watch just season two, episode six of a show? And I was like, yeah, it's an anthology series. Usually it ties into Discovery. This one ties into Picard. You'll be fine. Cool. So I'm eager to hear what she thinks of it so we have picard we have strange new worlds and also just reported this week is a fourth star trek movie starring christopher pine and crew in the kelvin universe uh, at least they're in talks of the for sure thing again well i i think this is so like a maybe a year or more ago paramount announced the date for a new star trek movie but we had no idea what it was going to be about or who was going to be in it so I think that is Star Trek Four, originally scheduled for June 9th, 2023. And I missed the memo apparently three months ago. They pushed that back to December 22nd, 2023, a year and a half from that now. That still seems pretty quick to me. Well, they're hoping to start filming this year. I mean, oh, I'm surprised that they got through because there was a bunch of talk about money and negotiations and Quentin Tarantino's idea for a foot-based Star Trek movie. Um, that's my interpretation. Um, but uh, and those talks had fallen through, so I was surprised to see that all of a sudden this is a for sure thing now. Well, I think part of the reason it fell through is because Chris Hemsworth, who before he was Thor, was Kirk's father in the original film back in 2009 was supposed to somehow come back for the next movie via time travel. 
And I guess that has definitely fallen through because, uh, he, because you know, like I said, bef- since then he's been Thor and he makes <laughs> more money now. How many years I did not know he was in Star Trek because I just didn't know who he was back then. Right, right. But now everybody knows him as Thor and for Thor to show up in a Star Trek movie is going to cost a lot more. Tiberius, the terrible name. <laughs> well, I, I, so I don't think he's going to be in it, but that doesn't mean that they can't make a movie. Right. Well, so. uh, whenever that happens, I'll be excited to watch it and talk about it. Uh, speaking of being excited to talk about things, I understand that nonetheless, you finished the first 10 episodes of Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad Doll isn't being an annoying little kid. This He has the first 98% of the season so yes. far. I, yeah, it's, t- he's one of the main reasons I hate that show. Yeah, and as Tiffany and I discussed on our review, I think he had to start where he was to get him to where he is, and maybe that was exaggerated, but it is a kid show. Yeah, maybe kids really like annoying. Well, maybe kids just and don't understand subtlety. It, oh, God, I hate that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as somebody who's child-free by choice, I have uttered that sentence many a time. <laughs> take to- Take Doll out, and I'm all for the show. I'll see if I can put out a hit on him. Uh, don't do that. I'm a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> no matter how annoying they are, we can't get rid of kids. Uh, no, but I, I did like that they got the little Starfleet uniforms on it. Um, Starfleet uniforms and did the little thing, got one over on dad or clone dad. Yeah. Yet another iteration of Starfleet uniforms. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So, but yeah, that's about all I really... I put the show on when I was like playing City Skylines or something else, and so I didn't have to pay too close attention, which made it better. <laughs> well, there is still another half of that season to come. I don't know when it's going to air. You and I were talking before this show about maybe it's going to appear on Nickelodeon instead of Paramount Plus. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, and honestly, I haven't looked it up when it shows up. <laughs> yeah, with so much Star Trek between now and then, I'm. Not champing at the bit, not because I don't like the show, that may be your reason, but just because it's not like we're going to be in a drought until then. Yeah, yeah. And as me, not me telling anyone else that they should not like the show. It's just a me thing. And I'm not saying it's not Star Trek. It is Star Trek. Which Star Treks are real Star Trek? All of them. <laughs> Even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like. So. All right. Well, then, until next time. Uh, why am I surprised at this every time? Uh, let's go. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Yeah. Uh, hold on just a second. I have a dog. I hear. Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't. So, uh, hold on. Uh, let me bless you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to remove him from the room. Just a moment. Okay. Come here, Biscuit. Come here. <laughs> Happy puppy.
Hello. Hi, happy puppy. <laughs> he is. He's a. He's a. His his name is Biscuit, but it really should be Velcro. <laughs> he is, is on me all the time. Uh, I like him, but he and his sister just went outside, so they're going to romp around for a bit. Mm-hmm. 